Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joe Holcraft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio, 104.5 FM and AM 930. It really is an honor and a privilege uh, that you have taken time out of your busy schedule to join me. Uh, Certainly for me, oh, going back now 12 years since I've started Seeds of Truth, I have done nothing but look forward to each and every evening that I get to share the faith with you. And uh, this Friday evening, uh, what have we been about? But exploring how to best respond to that question, can you pray for me? We established what the 12 keys, which we have since reduced to 10, and we have been exploring those. Before we get back into that exploration, I did just want to continue to thank you for taking time out of your busy schedules. You know, I continue to see so many of you listening, just not across the state of California and the country of the United States of America, but all across the globe. I continue to see you in Canada, Mexico, Honduras, Guatemala, Brazil, Chile, Paraguay, Argentina, Western Europe, Portugal, Spain, France, Croatia, I see as well, China, India, countries in Africa, Kenya, Nigeria, South Africa. So I just want to continue to say to you, thank you. You know, we have reduced our time together to just two podcasts a week, and you continue to listen, and that really uh, warms my heart and continues to encourage me and convict me each and every time I step into this studio to call upon the gift of the Holy Spirit that we might be uh, better (laughs) at what we explore uh, together. All right, (laughs) speaking of that, We are really knee-deep in this exploration of how to best respond to that question, can you pray for me? As I noted, we established 12 keys, which I have since reduced to 10. We have been uh, breaking down those in part. So this evening is what looks like part one of two parts on this third intercessory key, this key that I have identified as praying on the spot. So... As we pray in the Spirit, we should do so on the spot. In other words, our intercessory prayer should not waste time. That's the real focus. That's the real emphasis that I want to get across this week and next. That our intercessory prayers should be mindful of St. Paul's words from Romans chapter 13, verse 11, when he says, Besides this you know what hour it is, how it is full time now for you to wake from sleep, for salvation is near, near to us now than when we first believed. Moreover, we should also say, and and I think I touched upon this in our opening week together, that uh, when you pray on the spot, the person you are praying for will know that you are serious about prayer, and this can be a source of consolation for the person requesting your prayers just by way of my own personal experience with this. Back in 1998, I was part of a missionary team from Steubenville that headed to Florida to evangelize the locals on the beaches of, I believe it was Palm Springs. Uh, The missionary project was called Sun Life. 
And our week-long venture was interrupted by a day off, and most of us spent this day off at a uh, nearby amusement park. And what happened there, my friends, was really my first moving encounter with the importance of um, someone interceding for me on the spot. I remember I was going from one ride to another, just, you know, minding my own business, when I was approached by two evangelicals. And before they breached any theological conversation with me, they asked me a question, what can we pray for? And what I remember in that moment was that my spirit was really lifted by their genuine inquiry to pray for me. You know, as, as I look back on that day in Florida, I cannot help but mull over the irony of it all. I mean, here we were, this team from Franciscan University of Steubenville, set on a mission by God to evangelize those who were looking to uh, unwind from their busy lives. And here I was approached by evangelicals in my own effort to decompress. While I cannot remember many of the apologetic details, if you will, of the conversation, which is a bit unusual for me because I typically remember those kinds of details, what I do recall is that my heart was moved as they prayed with me for an extended period of time. Since that day, when people ask me to pray for them, I have always made, by the grace of God, go I, the earnest effort to do so on the spot. Brothers and sisters, I am not perfect in this area. No one is. But we can all do our best to show that we care about those who ask us to pray for them. And we do that by praying on the spot. Now, if we are to be better at praying on the spot and being a, a consolation to others, what must we surrender but time? You know, the world we live in is a world filled with the tension of paradox. Uh, consider how we think about time. On one hand, we have clocks, phones, iPads, and watches that help us move swiftly from one commitment to another. If we have a 9 a.m. appointment and a 10 a.m. appointment, we lean into our timepieces to move us swiftly along. When the clock strikes 9.50, we know that it is time to wrap up our 9 o'clock appointment if we are going to keep our 10 o'clock appointment, right? <laughs> the minute, no pun intended, we don't keep our 10 o'clock appointment, the rest of our day, what, suffers. We keep our schedule by monitoring time. But the question I pose to you is that, is the lone purpose of time exclusively at the service of moving us along from one commitment to the next in our commitment-filled days? Speaking of days, uh, it is in the Hebrew word for day that I do think we find a clue into how we ought to think about time, a clue that often gets passed by because when we read about the creation of days, we tend to get bogged down by the when and the how of creation. The fact is, my friends, the story of creation does not have much to say on the wind because the opening chapters of Genesis place the emphasis on the fall of man as opposed to when man fell, right? We ask such questions as, did one day constitute a 24-hour period? Did one day represent a larger time span that might be equated with centuries? Did one day represent an indefinite, an indefinite period of time? All these questions are fair, and Christians and Catholics are at liberty to believe that creation took seven days or a much longer period of time. But if these are the only questions we ask, preoccupied with the when and the how, I pose to you we're missing the more important question on the use of day, on the use of the Hebrew word yom. 
My dear friends, yom is often employed in sacred scripture as non-calculable. The author of Genesis is more concerned about the horizontal than the linear because the author's intention is to reveal the purpose of God's creation as opposed to when God created. You see, the seven-day sequence refers more to a designed, purposeful span of time over which God creates. The creation of days, then, my friends, is to be read with this insight in mind, that purpose, not clocks, phones, iPads, or watches, measures time, and the essence of our encounters with one another should be dictated by what? But purpose. Purpose. Now, the Greek language might help us here. We have two words for time that mean two different things, chronos and kairos. Chronos is man's time. This, of course, is where we get the word chronology, right? And that kairos is God's time. So chronos includes the scheduling we put into our iPads and iPhones regulated by the 24-hour days, seven-day weeks, and and 365-day years, right? Kairos, on the other hand, is the appointed time for the purposes of God, the intermediate moment in which God acts, if you will, the creation of days, for example. Uh, How we consider man's time, dare I say, should be determined with the consideration of God's time. In other words, how we engage one another in our days filled with commitments is best understood with the consideration of God's desires to invade our commitments with His grace. For this reason, we ought to initiate each obligation with what but prayer. Because by doing so, what do we do but bring ourselves into the presence of God, transforming the commitment, the obligation, into an actual encounter with God? My dear friends, time has purpose. And by invoking the presence of God, that purpose is in the process of being fulfilled. This initiatory prayer is certainly indispensable to the wider call of being an intentional disciple with all that we do. Now, how does this conversation on Kronos and Kairos apply to this call we have to pray on the spot? Well, instantaneous intercessory prayer opens us up to Kairos, that grace time, and begins to shape Kronos to its better use. Imagine with me, if you will, for a second. When was the last time you stopped what you were doing, surrendering your time, and prayed for the soul who asked you to pray for them? How did it impact the next thing you did? Did it change your day? Huh? These questions, my friends, are worth considering. I would venture to guess it had a positive impact on the rest of your day, huh? Uh, revisiting my encounter with the two evangelicals, I can certainly tell you my day was changed for the better. And I could also say that on that day in South Florida, God's grace invaded my day. Kairos invaded Kronos. And for all of this discussion, is this not what Jesus wants us thinking about out from his Sermon on the Mount, more specifically out from his Sermon on Trust, where time and time and time again he told us not to worry or get anxious about tomorrow, what it will or or will not bring, but just be present to the day, right? The Greek there for anxious and worry is preoccupied. If we are so preoccupied with things outside of our control, how can we possibly be present to the present moment, which always includes 
the person before us, and their hearts ache, their desire to have someone pray for them. So the, the Sermon on the Mount is very important to this conversation because Jesus Christ wants us present to the present. What did uh, Pope Benedict XVI say? The great gift of Christianity is the present moment. Right? I love that. Now, on this topic of a time, let us turn our attention to the book of Ecclesiastes for further insight. Uh, the author of Ecclesiastes called himself Preacher. Having lived a long life, he now sees the futility of much of his labor and preaches to us, we could say, a final lesson about God and the use of our time. What do we read in the opening verses of the book of Ecclesiastes? Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. He goes on to then poetically explain what he means. What does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. Moving on down, crystallizing this point, he says, All things are full of weariness. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. What has been is what will be. What is going on in these verses? What is the preacher talking about here? Well, a more coherent understanding of vanity, I think, is necessary to better interpret this passage. While the word vanity typically brings to mind uh, excessive attention to one's physical appearance, it best translates as aimlessness or worthlessness. I've touched upon this before in, in other contexts. The danger of vanity is not necessarily in the superficial trappings, but rather in the fact that our obsessions lead to a significant waste in time, a participation in time that is idle and void of any meaning. Meaninglessness, aimlessness, worthlessness, nothingness. This is what the word vanitas means. The preacher's final lesson is this. A life without a mind for the infinite is what? Full of, what does he say? Weariness. Without the advent of Christ in our heart, our finite ways of thinking and use of time is without aim, futile, worthless. But with the advent of Christ and the gift of grace our soul has received, our new ways of thinking stretch for the infinite. And our time is now purpose-driven for God. Again, time has purpose. Ultimately, my friends, it is how we use this infinite gift in the finite that determines how much fruit our intercessory prayer will bring forth. And uh, making a point to pray for others on the spot and more generally praying for others on a daily ba basis is a good place to start, my friends. Again, our life in Kronos, how we move from one minute, hour, and day to the next is always, anywhere and everywhere, best lived in view of Kronos. God's time. So it is, my friends, we hit the pause button this evening to reflect upon the importance of time that we might gain a deeper appreciation for really uh, the vital importance of praying for others on the spot. They are asking us to pray for them, so let us do so now. What does Scripture tell us? 
We know not the day nor the hour. So if someone asks you to pray for them, knowing not the day nor the hour, enter into the immediate now and pray with them and for them on the spot. Amen? Amen. Let us close with a word of prayer. All glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen, and God bless you.